I get it. You don't know what this draft class is going to be like until you wait a few years down the road. But here's the thing. <sighs> That's boring. We need to overreact and overreact now. That's how we do it here on Sports Talk Radio. So we're going to do it. We're going to throw the grades out. Big Joe, D+. Ryan from Dodgeville says D+. Pete from Monona says, I ain't even going to give it a grade. Billy gives it an F. Let's go live to Brian Gutekunst right now to see what it, he has to say. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Sorry. Pardon me. Can I just check this out? D plus. Oh, my God. I passed. I passed. Oh, man. I got a D plus. I'm going to graduate. <laughs> I wish we'd known each other. This is a little awkward. <laughs> Brian Gunnick was running down the hall. D plus. I passed. I passed. All right. Let's go in. I think also. If you didn't realize this, Brian Gutekunst was also an extra in Animal House. I'm not kidding. Two C's, two D's, and an F. That's a 1.2 grade average. Congratulations, Kroger. You're at the top of the Delta Pledge class. Here's Goody's for the draft. Mr. Gutekunst. Hello. 0.2. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. There's Goody was an extra in Animal House. I don't know if you knew that now. <laughs> All right, the draft. We got I'm gonna try and there are some positives in this. For me, it's a whole philosophical change of the Green Bay Packers. What has the Packers shown you in this draft? They're gonna run the ball, buddy. And if you don't like it, then you can get out. In fact, get out of the way, because they're gonna run you over. I'm looking at the running back. A.J. Dillon in the second round. This dude is like a wrecking ball. What is he, a 250? Yeah, he's like roughly, what, six foot 250? This dude he's is a, a wrecking a ball. Back. He's a huge dude. He is a bruiser. He tested like in the 99 percentile for basically athleticism at the NFL Combine. We're going ground and pound, baby. We got three meaty, beefy linemen in the sixth round. Kind of fatten up that line. And then we're going to hand that ball off. We got the finesse. With Aaron Jones finessing it around the field. You got your, you got your, you got your guy bobbing and weaving. You can't even get him. And then when you want to get the wrecking ball out, if you don't have Jamal Williams ready to go, if he's a little winded maybe, you go get A.J. Dillon. He said, hey, you see that line? You're going to smash right through it. AJ, I do like A.J. Dillon to a degree. Now, I saw them comparing him to Derrick Henry. This, now, this is ceiling, ceiling. Derrick Henry was a comparison for A.J. Dillon, and then Rowdy, Rowdy's going to say, no way. I saw it, and I saw it a few places. Comparable for A.J. Dillon, one of my favorite running backs of all time, Ricky Williams. What say you, Nell? <laughs> I, I already told you before, no way. <laughs> I saw the comparable. Ricky Williams and Derrick Henry. That's the ceiling ceiling. I mean, some some... NFL GMs trade their whole drafts for guys like Ricky Williams. <clears throat> <laughs> Others just reach around early. Now, Ricky uh, Ricky Williams, uh, A.J. Dillon in the second round, you probably could have got him. Uh, this is according to other people's boards. This isn't according to Brian Gutekunst's board, obviously. But to other people's boards, A.J. Dillon was what? Third, fourth? 
Yes, but with how, I will say with how running backs were coming off the board in the second round, I feel like fourth round's not correct. I feel like they could have got him in the third round. So he goes in the second round, and let's try and give me some positives on A.J. Dillon. I don't want to be all doom and gloom, gloom today. I'm, here's what I want to be. This is what I'm going to be and try to be because I think the world needs it right now. Everyone, it's too easy to be negative in the COVID-19s. In the shutdown, everything. This is where I want to be. I'm full of hope. I'm, I'm the captain of hope. So, yeah. I want to be the captain of hope today. Now, Nelly, I know we got a lot of negatives to say about the Green Bay Packers draft, and rightfully so for the present time being. But can you give me a positive on A.J. Dillon? Can you give me something positive? Uh, well, he, you already listed He's six foot, 250, and he tested as a freak at the NFL Combine. He was like in the 99 percentile in almost every drill. Like, he's big, strong, fast. He plays running back. Yeah, he's a big – I mean, that dude is a – he's six feet, but he's 250. He, he tested – That's a tank. He tested much better than anyone thought he was going to test. He ran a 4.53 in the 40-yard dash. He put up 23 reps on the bench. His vert was 41. I don't really care how high my running back can jump. But if you're 250, 41 vert, that's not bad. Broad jump, 131. Cone drill, 7.19 seconds. His player bio. You ready for this, Rouds? Strengths. Carries weight easily on a big, well-proportioned frame. Hell yeah. Above average athletic traits for such a big runner. Went for 150-plus rushing yards in almost 42% of his career starts. Finds pay dirt with 39 career rushing tutties. I like this one right here. Can move piles or leaps over them. Absorbs contact like a big linebacker. Trust the process and follows design of the rush track. Reads block development and acts decisively. Here you go. I like this one. Has a grinded out mentality. Stiff arm cleans up the angles on the perimeter. Able to sort the rush and find his protection most of the time. And finally, size to square and slow charging linebackers. This sounds pretty nice, doesn't it? Well, A.J. Dillon's not a bad player. I mean, they took him in the second round. We're talking about... If they reach to use a third round pick, now, like he's still a respectable player. Yeah, their comparison. We're gonna. I'm gonna give positives and unfortunately some negatives on every player today. We're just starting right here of AJ Dillon. His NFL comparison, James Conner. And you would take a James Conner for sure if you didn't have an Aaron Jones, right? Mm-hmm. So any all right, any so what are some negatives, quick Nels? Because I know you got some negatives on AJ Dillon besides the reach for the second round. Well, behind Jonathan Taylor, he was the second most used running back in terms of touches in college. And you know running backs only have so many hits in them. Yeah. And say that again, the second, second most, most used, used in used all of college football? Behind Jonathan Taylor. Behind Jonathan Which Taylor. That was one of the knocks on Taylor. And that's normally what is a lot of knocks on Wisconsin running backs in general. I will give another knock on him. What was the what was the Packers their biggest glaring issue on offense? They needed a wide receiver. Yes. Here's my other knock on AJ Dillon. It's RB listed by his name, not WR, not wide receiver in the deepest draft class in history of wide receivers. And if you want to go one further than that, it's an AJ Dillon that plays running back that had like 21 career catches in college. Breaking news. Nelson, you have to like the Packers' second-round draft pick, running back A.J. Dillon out of Boston College. Not only is his nickname the Sauce, 
but he absolutely loves. If you go to his Instagram, he's got stories about it. If you follow him on Twitter, he just changed his bio, but before, it, what did it say in it? He's a enthusiast of Mott's applesauce. Mott's applesauce. His nickname is The Sauce. He loves Mott's applesauce. Nelson, what did we find out about you last week? You put applesauce on everything. Nelson puts his applesauce on pizza. He puts it on lasagna. He puts it on pork. He puts it on goulash. He puts You're it. missing the very first original one, macaroni. He puts it on macaroni. Nelson sent me a Snapchat last week of him eating a Dorito-crusted chicken breast with, you guessed it, applesauce on it. Nelson, this guy reps your brand, Mott's Applesauce. His nickname is The Sauce. I think you got to be in love with this guy. <laughs> well, I don't hate him. I mean, this this does put a little bit into my heart here. This is a, if, this if is he a heart me, pick. Yeah, Heartful. If, if he tells me that it's the Mott's Cinnamon Applesauce, we might have become... <laughs> is Mott's Cinnamon like the goat for you? Yeah, that's the best by far. Nelson, and I'm not kidding, I see him do it every day when he eats lunch. The man puts applesauce on everything. What ha- have you what haven't you put applesauce on? If you have a, if you're sitting down for a meal, does the first thing come to your mind? Like somebody like, oh, I need ketchup for this. Oh, I need ranch. Is your first condiment applesauce? Yes. Will you put it on a hot dog? No. Have you tried no, it? No, 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 no. A brat? No. But mac and cheese you will. Yeah, like any like casserole. Like a hot dish. Hot dish type thing. M- my man's throwing applesauce on everything. There was a draft profile on the tight end. Josiah DeGuara. One of his knocks was that he has too much sauce. I don't understand how that's a knock. I'm not even kidding. They said a knock on Josiah DeGuara, the Packers tight end, the H-back they took in the third round. One of his knocks was dude's got too much sauce. I'm not even kidding. It's on NFL.com. My question is... Is it Mott's sauce? Is it Mott's applesauce? I love the theme of the Packers. They drafted a guy with a lot of sauce. They drafted another guy. His nickname, A.J. Dillon, is the sauce. Nelson, Packers fan, loves the sauce, applesauce. You see the theme here? This draft is catered to you. A.J. Dillon, I'll tell you what. He did go up a notch in my book when I found out that he's a huge Mott's applesauce enthusiast. Go look at his Instagram account, AJ Dillon. Just go type his name into Instagram if you if you got the gram. Now and, and right I, there it says the sauce, and it's all featured of Mott's applesauce, Nelson's go-to. I'm not even kidding. I'd love it a lot better though if he was a third-round pick. <laughs> he even has. He's even tweeting. He's even tweeting at Mott's applesauce. Here, right here, he tweets. I am going by the sauce from here on out because of my love for Mott's applesauce. Hashtag sauce it up. Mott's applesauce responds back. Thanks for the love, the sauce. We hope you continue to, quote, sauce it up this weekend. Yeah, that guy has to get, right? He's got to get a a sponsorship of Mott's, like if he becomes a legit NFL player. I'm looking at his Instagram right now, his stories. His entire fridge is stocked full of gigantic containers of Mott's applesauce. You see that? This dude's obsessed. Every fl- There's the cinnamon! There's the cinnamon Mott's Boom. applesauce. Boom. Nelson, I will buy you a A.J. Dillon jersey. I'm going to let Tommy Boy tell you what the highest grade is we've had in for Brian Gutekunst. Listen up. 
Pardon me. Can I just check this out? D plus. Oh my God. I passed. I passed. Oh man. I got a D plus. I'm gonna graduate. <laughs> so there you go. Believe it or not, that was not Chris Farley and Tommy Boy. That was Brian Gudekun celebrating the fact that he got himself so far a D plus. Now, when we average this out at the end of the show, I think it might be a D minus. But because there's a lot of F's coming in. All right. So RJ, you're in here. We got Nelson in here as well. Obviously, uh, we're going to the draft pick by pick. We were talking a little bit about the H back in the third round, Josiah Deguara. Real quick, before we get to the fifth-round selection, because if we remember correctly, the Packers did trade up in the first round to 26 to get quarterback Jordan Love. They sent their fourth-round pick to Miami as well. Didn't have a fourth-round pick, so we're going to talk the fifth-round pick coming up. But put a bow on the third-round tight end, Josiah DeGuara. Nelly. To me, it just it didn't make sense in the situation in the third round. Like, if you were going to do that, why wouldn't you wait longer? Like, I know that... The Patriots later took uh, Keen, which was another H-back out of Virginia Tech. But that's Bill Belichick, right? Yes. Like, he does and a his lot dog. Of, Don't forget about his yeah, dog. He does a lot of quirky things that people question, and it always turns up correctly. Do you think you let his dog draft any of those players? Because his dog was sitting on the, on the, on the chair, on the throne. All of them. Yeah. That was a cool-looking dog. So, Josiah DeGuara. But but there were – we mentioned it earlier. There were top tight ends still on the board that are were clear – positions were tight end and they were the top well in most people's boards at least two or three of the top five now what and you what is the hope that he turns into kyle use kyle use that's that's like his that's like his top ceiling yeah his nfl comparison on draft uh on nfl.com his nfl comparison is tyler conklin (laughs) and that's that's the exact reaction no one said anything crickets Like, when you come out and say, I believe, was it Matt LaFleur the other night, came out and said, we want to use him like Kyle Juszczyk yeah. with the 49ers. Okay, so you want to draft this guy in the third round and essentially make him the best H-back slash fullback in the NFL. So what is what is Matt Do you see a philosophical change happening in Green Bay? They're going to go, what are they going to do? Power run, some zone block, all kinds of stuff, right? Yeah, West Coast offense. That's what they're going. They're digging deep. More West Coast than what Mike McCarthy. But Big Mike was doing. So as a pass catcher, this is one of Degura's positives. As a pass catcher, Degura is a sure-handed with good feel for soft spots against zone, but may need an accurate thrower due to contested catches. Well, who is one of the most accurate throwers in the game? Yeah. Aaron Rodgers. And if you watch even the film they showed – I mean, he can catch the ball in stride. He can pull away from some guys. I and mean, Granted, that's going to change at the NFL level, but he is pretty sure-handed when it's in and around him. See, this is another pick that I don't hate if it came two, three rounds later. Well, his projected, here's where they projected him at, the sixth round or seventh. They got him where? The third. But Brian Gutekunst got his own born. Matt LaFleur got his own board. Just because you see someone on Pro Football Focus or, you know, insert draft analysis here doesn't mean that's how Brian Gutekunst's board looks like, right? Mm-hmm. But no, man, I think that was pretty evident by the but draft. But, man, I got I to gotta wonder what Brian Gutekunst's board actually looked like. 
Because there was a lot of, what do we say? What's the theme of the Packers uh, draft? Reach? Pretty Reach. pretty much. Reach. So put a bow on DeGuara. Uh, De I keep saying De, DeGuara? DeGuara. Before we talk Kamal Martin coming up here, uh, the player out of Minnesota in the fifth round. I, DeGuara, I yay or nay? I don't mind the pick. I just think it was you like, you two, don't like the round. two rounds early, and if they were going to go true tight end, I would have preferred a couple other guys that were on the board at that round and at that point. All right, I'm going to give you some weaknesses. We like to we like to do the negatives and the positives. Weaknesses for DeGuara. Inconsistent hand placement at point of attack. Gets grabby outside of the frame to finish. Needs better pad level to create point of leverage. May not have speed to consistently threaten the seam. Has a little too much sauce in his routes. What does like, that even mean? I like a guy. Give me some sauce. Sauce. A man A man needs sauce, but a man can also get lost in the sauce, RJ. Don't forget it. I like how the first three bullet points are just like, he's not that great of a blocker. Yeah. So you split, <laughs> you split one negative into three just because you didn't have enough negatives for the guy to put him down further. Could struggle to separate against NFL man coverage. Okay. It, it they just happens. they just were praising his zone reads. Uh, rigid in his body adjustments to throws outside the frame. Lacks creativity after the catch and tends to bull forward. They're basically describing an H back. I just like yeah. this. I like this one. I like this one, even though it's a negative. Outside of the could has a block. little too much sauce on his routes. What? Okay. What does that even mean? So what is bull? What's wrong with bull forward? I mean, if you're blocking, you want to bull forward. What's wrong with having too much sauce? I, that is a great. I don't even know what. What does, does that it even mean? mean? His weaknesses. Has a little too much sauce in his routes. What does that even mean? Is he is he like throwing up jazz hands? I feel like I feel like this was an old timer like NFL draft scout who was trying to impress the kids and be cool. I, yeah, this old whippersnapper's got a little too much sauce on him. Like like what what do you mean, Gary? What do you mean he's got a little too much sauce, Gary? A little too much. Well, I heard sauce the kids. In his I routes. heard the kids saying it on the TikToks. I don't. I don't. I honestly have no clue what too much sauce in your routes means. It, it, and people may think I'm making this up. I'm not. Has a little too much sauce in his routes. Yeah. Give me a dude of all kinds of sauce. Strengths. Here's his strengths before we hit the break. Takes run blocking duties to heart. Fits right in that Except new in scheme. your negatives, he can't run block. <laughs> and he's got too much sauce. Like good right, a, right, right there, that's that cancels itself out. Good got a, it. Average good, blocker. Good angles up to second level and squares his target. Once again, didn't they just say in his weaknesses that he can't block? All right. Finds his block fit and sustains with balance and footwork. All right. So far, this guy, whoever did this, and hopefully it's two separate people, are watching two totally different films. Counted on to help seal the edge and run game. He Okay, he's counted on. So, so far we're finding out he is good at blocking. Basketball feel in his route breaks. Okay. That's where the sauce comes in. Yeah. Stems defenders out of place with sharp head fakes. Monitors safeties and surveys spacing against the zone. Races to soft spots and demands the football. And this is funny, dude. Catches what is thrown at him and rarely has focus drop. Didn't they say in his inconsistencies that he's inconsistent with his hand placement? Yeah. That well, leads me to believe. Blocking, right? Oh, okay. No, they talked about his catch radius. Didn't yeah, they, they also did catch. Yeah, they did. If it's not like thrown right at him, he can't catch it. But yet. He can catch it. Like, two <laughs> different people did the pros and cons for this. This is not know, one guy asked to do this. I want to know more about the sauce. Either that or, like, 
The guy was like really high on him and like maybe tried to call Josiah. Or the guy was just high when he wrote it. The guy like ghosted him and he was just like, Like, (laughs) screw this guy. The the first, like, all the positives are telling me how good of a blocker he is. And all the negatives saying how bad of a blocker he is. You just basically zeroed the guy out to be an average football player. Uh, but, but hey, they say it's a weakness. I'm taking it as a strength. Dude's got a lot of sauce. That's the only one that I do not understand. Dude's other, got other sauce. Other than that, they all cancel each other out. Nelly, do you want a guy with a lot of sauce? Nelson, you wanted a wellness check. Because Thursday night when the Packers selected Jordan Love, we had one listener. His fingers were just screaming and flying by so fast on Twitter that I think he got carpal tunnel. I didn't know. We thought he was going to jump off a cliff afterwards, but OB is alive. He's tweeting in, and he's alive. This comes from Zone Madison, where I ask on Twitter and Facebook as well, rate, I'm sorry, not rate, grade the Packers draft uh, that just was. Right now, D-plus is the highest grade. OB comes in and says, just think, if the Packers draft was still in Vegas, Packer fans there would have played Battleship and sunk the boat before Jordan Love got to the podium. (laughs) Then he says, were there lead paint chips being eaten before the Packers draft in Brian Gutekunst's house? They get an F minus. <laughs> can you can you do an F minus? I thought just you got an F is an F. Hey, if OB says F minus, OB gets to put down F minus. All right, OB, you're in with an F minus. Oh, and he tweets in again. As an owner of the Packers, I need to see the boards those two idiots Lafleur and Gutekunst had. I'm sure. I sure hope their draft boards got shredded for their safety. <laughs> what, isn't that a thing though? Like, I would love to see after the whole process was over, uh, just the, the for the boards. The, the obviously not all the complete board because you still have to sign undrafted free agents and stuff like that. But like a, a redacted version of all the players that were drafted. Oh, I don't. If you were gotta, on there, if you were to get a Packers redacted draft mock or board, it'd be all blacked out. You couldn't see a single thing. It'd be you see the letter. You'd see you'd see the words the, and then Packers. Everything else would be redacted. Could you, redacted, could you imagine redacted. though that if they uh, if each team had to release their board of all the players that were drafted and where they had them rated? I feel like that would be extremely cool and a talking point for. Did everyone. you see? Did you see Matt Nagy's like man cave in his house? That was just a board. He I don't know like, if that was every play sheet he ever had in the NFL I, and yeah. every draft board the, he ever had. His it was like it was. A beautiful mind, Russell Crowe. Like yeah. it was Charlie Day from f- figuring out Pepe La Silva and Carol. Carol, Carol. Pepe Silva. Yeah. <laughs> or what about? Did you guys see when John Gruden was put on? You said Muscle Hamster. That was by John Gruden. That's his. Yeah, son. That's his son. A lot of people was, was asking him for steroids. A lot of people was asking him that was you, Rowdy. I got a tweet. I was like, is that Nelson hanging out with John Gruden? That right? Muscle his, Hamster. His son was busted for like using steroids, right? Dude, if you looked at the no guy, idea. you're like, this guy's juiced out of his mind. Yeah. It's like I bet you he played baseball in the '90s. He's got that son, and then the other one who was like behind him, uh, is trying to be an MMA fighter. Anyways, what are you saying about Gruden? Well, did, his muscle did you hamster see son? that huge board they had? Yeah. Like, to the to the left of them that had a bunch of names on it, but you couldn't really see what the names were. Yeah. But you could tell there were definitely names. Oh on yeah. Like, does he literally just have his board written up on a whiteboard behind him? Where sure does. The, where they're putting it. And and their p- their picks were almost like Al Davis was still alive. Oh, the Raiders oh, reached out a lot. How many lot. times did they say for the Raiders, 
Gruden loves his speed. Yeah. He loves speed. And I'm just thinking L. Davis, L. Yeah, Davis, L. That's Davis. all it was. It was like, uh, what's his, is Mark Davis the son? What's, yeah. 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 The guy with the Mr. great Bol- haircut. Mr. Bolt. Yeah. And he's that like, guy's been doing quarantine haircuts before we even like, quarantined. Well, my dad would have picked this guy. <laughs> he still drives a minivan. Did you know that? I know. Like a minivan from the 90s. <laughs> hey, who cares? I mean, the guy makes a bunch of money. Saves- he can do whatever he wants to. Here's the thing. It's like well, Anthony we know Davis. He spend his money on haircuts. Yeah, it's like Anthony Davis in the NBA. Dude, no, he's saving that money. You're worth millions of dollars. Go get the middle of your eyebrows plucked. And then it's, it's Mark Davis. Dude, you're worth millions, probably billions. Go get a haircut. Splurge a little bit. Spl- go to Sport Clips and spend $15 on a haircut, dude. <laughs> I feel, like, I feel like with Anthony Davis, though, like that's kind of his signature. That's his look. Mark Davis... The bull cut's not really your signature. You're just kind of. He's one of those guys. He's one of those guys that has way too much money, and no one wants to say a bad word to him because they're like, "This guy could end my life with the amount of money he has." Yes. I'm just gonna be a yes man. I just got this haircut. I don't don't know what I think about it. What do you think? It looks great. No, he's probably not. You're so handsome. He's probably not saying I don't really know about it. He's like, I really like this haircut. What do you guys think? Or dude, that looks great, man. You ever considered changing the style of bowl you put on your head before you cut it? (laughs) My wife is trying to. My wife's been trying to find these mirrors, like a giant mirror. Mirrors are expensive. Yeah. I think L. Davis is or Mark Davis is saving money on mirrors. He ain't buying. There's not a mirror in that house. That's why he looks like such an idiot. (laughs) Like Lloyd Christmas. You think he has somebody who can turn off TVs for him? Hell yeah, that's a good point too. No, he knows how to turn a TV off. No, he comes from a tougher generation. He can turn his own TV off. (laughs) (laughs) Back in my day, we could turn our own TV off. Not like that Mitchell Trubisky. All right, so I really want to talk about this fifth round pick. And RJ, I'm glad you're here. You know, Mr. Wisconsin, we'll talk some Badgers in the draft as well. But when it comes to the fifth round pick, boy, oh boy, do I have some questions. When it comes to this player from Minnesota, what's the glaring issue in the, for the offense for the Packers? You need to get a wide receiver. You need to get a weapon. Well, in the deepest draft class in the history of the draft, according to some, for wide receivers, Nelson, remind me again how many the Packers got? Zero. For our Spanish-speaking friends, cero. Zero. <laughs> zero wide receivers. Tennis-loving fans, nil. <laughs> <laughs> nil. All right, so or here, love. Well, love. Nil would be soccer or, yeah. or footy, if you will, RJ. Footy, yeah, sorry. It's Monday. You need coffee. All right, so before I get your take on the linebacker, because we're kind of going down the list, we're in that linebacker, Kamal Martin from Minnesota. Matt Lafleur broke down why they didn't draft the wide receiver. The comments. It's about a minute, minute thirty. He talks about each one. So strap in and listen of why they didn't take a wide receiver. Yeah, no, I, we've got a lot of confidence in our receiving core. You know, Devontae Adams, the true number one in this league, I can't tell you how much, especially when you go back and watch all the cut-ups, Alan Lazard, just the things that he brought to us from a physicality standpoint. You know, he made a, a bunch of big plays. Uh, you know, most notably the one that popped to my mind right, right away is the big, Third and ten that he caught a touchdown on versus Detroit, where he went up and got the ball. Uh, Jake Kumaro made big plays for us last year. We need to find ways to get him more more involved. And then I think you look at MBS, the speed that he has. He's got to take that next step, and that's going to be a challenge for him. And and we're going to be all over him to, to do that. EQ is coming back. Really excited about him being back in the fold. And then you add a guy like Devin Punches, who I can't wait. 
to start to, to work with because here's a big physical receiver uh, that is extremely talented and a good veteran presence. I, I, so I feel I feel really confident in our receiving core. And we've got two other guys, Malik Taylor and Darius Shepard, that are young players that, that I really like. We added Reggie Begleton to, to the mix. And um, so I do think we have we have talent and we have depth at, at that position. So there's Matt LaFleur on the wide receivers that they have because they, again, took none in the draft, the deepest wide receiver draft class in history and took none. Here's what I wrote down for notes about this. He goes from Devontae Adams, which obviously is a beast. We all know Devontae Adams, how good he is. Who? Devontae Adams. <laughs> he goes from Adams to then Jake Kumaro. That's, that's, that's where his thought process went. From one of the top five wide receivers in the game to a guy that could barely hang on to practice squads until he got to Green Bay maybe he was and doing became a, a cult hero. Maybe that. Maybe he was doing a range. Okay, so well, he went to Jake Kumro. I know. Who, so it's like everybody in between. Besides one, <laughs> did he have a one touchdown against the Raiders that I remember? Was it the Raiders? I think so. That's the one touchdown I remember of him making a play all season. Was Kumro against the? I think it was. I can't even remember correctly. He had some other sideline catches. Yeah, like two other ones. Well, I mean, like out Rowdy. patterns. Yeah, great blocks downfield. Great blocks. Great downfield. hair. Great hair. Hmm. So, so was the floor. Maybe that's why he's thinking about him. Maybe. Great hair. Hair, hair game recognizes hair game. So he goes from Devontae Adams to Jake Kumaro. UW Whitewater. Touchdown Jesus. And then he breaks down into, we're a big believer in Marquez Valdez-Scantling, MVS, and we're going to be all over him if he doesn't have a breakout year. I think he should change that. I think he should say we're the only ones that still have faith in him. That was the third thing up. The second, the second wide receiver out of Matt LaFour's mouth was a guy that could barely make practice squads and then somehow got into the mix because of injury. Remember when he somersaulted and, and hurt his shoulder? Yeah. Yeah. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, <laughs> very fast, hands of stone. They're going to be all over him. They're expecting him to make a giant jump. Okay. I like the speed of MVS. I like the upside of MVS potentially. But, my God, did he have a lot of opportunities to shine last year. Yeah, and did not. And then we go to Equiminius St. Brown. He didn't play last year, despite former Packers telling you he did. Yeah. Equiminius St. Brown. <laughs> oh, I like the upside Equiminius St. Brown. Well, he's the only one that you can say still has much upside because he hasn't been able to play, right? Yes. He's had injuries. Now we've seen, what was that, two years ago he showed flashes towards the end of his rookie year where he made some nice plays. He had some good games with Aaron Rodgers. But other than that, that's all you have to hold on to. I'm sorry, but Jake Kumro and MVS for me, they're at the end of their rope. If I was, if I was, Matt Lafleur, Brian Gutekunst. So then I've, I've seen it off. <laughs> Stick it in your ear, Lafleur. So then, Equimina St. Brown to Devin Funches. I like the upside of Devin Funches. I'm excited about Devin Funches. Right now, statistically, he's the Packers number two. Your thoughts on Devin Funches? I think that's the you that's the sliver of hope, right? You hope he can stay healthy and. Uh, perform like he did when Cam Newton was getting him the ball and he stayed healthy. And then who do you talk about? A bunch of guys you're like, unless you're like a diehard Packer fan, you have no idea who they are. Was Lazard talked about there? Yeah, he briefly mentioned he, that. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, briefly. that's the only guy he didn't, like, go in, like, 
talk more than like, yeah, I think he's there. RJ, the reason why he didn't do that is because he knows that fans think Alan Lazar is good, so he's got to talk up all the other the guys. The other guys. I got you. All right. Because that makes sense. Cram it up your cram hole floor. <laughs> because That's if you it. look at it, you have Devontae Adams, you have Devin Funches, Alan Lazard, and those are your three guys that would be on pretty much every NFL roster. Mm-hmm. The rest of the guys, probably not. They're they're good. <laughs> That's essentially what that was. So boys, <laughs> we're we're okay. What when you see the deepest wide receiver class in the history of the draft, and the Packers don't take a single one? What does that tell you? The philosophical change is happening in Green Bay. They're going to ground and pound, and if you don't like it, they're going to run you over. No. They're going to run the football. What, what comes to my mind is they're, the front office is fine with the receiving core they have. Whether you want to say that's wrong or not, yeah, from the outside looking in, it looks like the wrong thing. But they, it's a change. They current, no, they currently like their receiver room. You're not going to bring they're in. They're the only ones. Right. But they're the ones That's that look at it every said. day. They're the ones looking at but it every day. they currently like their receiver room, and they didn't want to upset the apple cart. It, it happens. That's some people's thinking. They didn't believe they needed another piece. You know, what? whatever you want to think about it from the outside looking in, their internal thoughts were, were okay. They don't. They aren't listening to the outside and I, noise. I agree with you because if you didn't like your receiver room, you would have went <laughs> I mean, out and changed it. You would have at least picked but up one. But at the same time, it makes sense if their new scheme is to pound the rock uh, that yeah. you like your receiving core that's not very good. <laughs> yeah, well, right. But I, you know, I, they're not going to flat out come out and say that. <laughs> no, of course not. So, uh, yeah, they. But look at the wide receivers that they have, and then look at the class that was the deepest it's ever been. They don't even get one. That's listen. They didn't get one wide receiver. That that's my my biggest issue of the draft. It's not the reaches because there's a lot of reaches. It was that they didn't get a single wide receiver, but not one. That leads me to believe they never were going to, you because you would have reached on one. Had had you wanted a receiver, their plan was not to draft a wide receiver. <sighs> like, and, and if if there's people out there who want to say, well, you know, so and so was taken before that. Well, then you take the next guy. But they didn't do that. Their plan was not to draft a wide receiver. I think at all. I think they, they had didn't a, even go into it. Thinking I think they, they had wide receivers that they wanted, and they got picked right before they got them. No. Excited to welcome in this guy right here, a fountain of knowledge. UW-Whitewater graduate assistant offensive line assistant coach. Bucky's fifth quarter packer report for 24-7 Network. Owen Reese. Reese draft rises. Owen, it was your Christmas Thursday, Friday, Saturday. How was the draft for you, my friend? It was awesome, man. It was a little different, uh, obviously, with the virtual stuff. But it was kind of cool seeing all the coaches and GMs with their kids and stuff. I think it was a, a different dynamic. And I think that probably moving forward, I think kind of what we've been able to tell, I think the NFL – took that feedback pretty well, and I think they're going to be trying to incorporate that moving on. Yeah, I thought the draft was awesome, despite the fact that they had to remind you every 30 seconds that there was a worldwide pandemic going on. It's like, I get that. Every other station is doing that. Can I just focus on football? But then the other thing that was really glaring to me was if you had some personal tragedy from the smallest to the biggest, they're going to pounce all over it. And 
basically, if you had someone close to you die, you're going to make the NFL. That's what I took it as. Yeah, the ESPN was basically like, all right, so we've got five NFL analysts, specialists on here, but we're not going to let any of them talk. We're going to have Trey Wingo talk 95% of the time and talk about if anyone in your family has ever died. Um, <laughs> and we're going to talk about that for – or if your dad played in the NFL, we're yeah. going to talk about that for about 50% of the time. And then we'll show like four clips of you playing. <laughs> and then we'll wait seven more minutes for the next pick. All right, Owen. Well, let's talk right now. I'm not going to wait any more time to talk about it with you. The Packers draft that was. Your takeaway overall, then we'll break it down. What was your takeaway overall from the Packers draft? All right, so the first thing, um, obviously like each day it was a little different trying to figure out kind of what's going on. I think the biggest thing that I was able to pick up on, and I think most teams will probably tell you this, but I don't think the draft went the way that they planned it. Uh, I don't think they went into the draft coming to say, I think we're going to take Jordan Love in the first round. Uh, I don't, you know, but like just that's kind of the way it fell. I know Green Bay fans um, are very upset about the lack of wide receiver additions. I think we'll probably get to that in a second, but I think that the, uh, the Packers stuck to their board. I know like, a lot of times we kind of like tongue-in-cheek preach about BPA, right, or whatever, but I think the Packers made it very clear when they talked about that that those guys are the top guys on their board at that time, uh, and I think that they didn't want to reach for wide receiver, uh, and that's something, again, that they got poached, I think, of the guy they wanted three or four different times, a few picks in front of them. Who do you, so, think, they, who do you, who do you think was poached from them? Because I, I, I saw you talking about it on Twitter. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, so I think they really wanted Brandon Ayuk, uh, the wide receiver from Arizona State, the uh, 49ers traded up from 39 or from 31, excuse me. So like very clearly, the Packers were in front of them. So I think they thought he would probably fall. Once they traded up and got Ayuk, then the Packers traded up and got Love uh, to stay in front of the Colts. I think that was pretty apparent. The uh, in the second round, uh, I think Denzel Mims went three or four picks before they did it at 62. They were staying pat there. And Mims kept falling and falling and falling. And I'm like, that's, that's going to be the pick. And then I think the Jets traded up in front of him and got him. Uh, and then in the third round, Devin Duvernay went to the Ravens, like three picks before the Packers. And then again in the sixth round, Donovan Peoples-Jones went four picks before their first sixth-round pick. Uh, those are all guys that fit what the Packers like in receivers. And I think that they were very clear, like, we're not going to reach for a, uh, for a position just for the sake of, we need to add a wide receiver. Like, I think that they were very clearly, um, you know, sticking to their board, which, you know, you can take that for what it's worth. And obviously none of us were in the room. Um, so whether they did or didn't, we'll never know that. But I think that it's, it's, they were very like, we're not going to take a wide receiver just for the sake of taking a wide receiver. Okay, I feel you on that. Talking with Owen Reese right now about the Packers draft. Now, Owen, let's, uh, we already talked about Jordan Love a little bit. What's your takeaway from the second round pick? Pick 62, running back A.J. Dillon out of Boston College. Yeah, so I actually really liked him. Uh, I was surprised to see him go that early. I know I was watching the draft, and uh, someone had asked me, well, who do you think they would take here? And I was like, well, they could use a running back, but I don't think they'll take a running back this high. And then they took him, and then I, it was A.J. Dillon, uh, who I was kind of surprised about. But when you check out, he was 247 pounds at the combine and ran like a 4.53 and had a 41-inch vertical or something dumb. Like, he's an extremely athletic kid, and the Packers have always been geared towards um, towards these athletic freaks. They've got a threshold at each position, uh, which is like some guys like T. Higgins was a wide receiver that was at the top of the board. Well, yeah, well, if Ayuk got picked, they could have just took Higgins. He's a wide receiver, but he like, didn't test very well. And that's something that the Packers have shown 
that they're they're pretty strict with their athletic testing thresholds. Um, so that's why I think Dylan appealed to them. The other thing that I kind of it made the pick made sense to me. I didn't know if it was the right one or not, but Packer fans seemingly on Twitter seem to fall in line with the analytically driven thought process of, well, you don't need to pay a running back and that running backs are fairly replaceable. Yet I saw most of the criticism for the AJ Dillon pick being that we have Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. We don't need a running back, but at the same time, they're both upcoming free agents and Packer fans will generally be the first to tell you that you shouldn't pay a running back. So I think that they were mad that they took a running back that will replace the guys that they don't want to pay because they already have those guys. Yeah, that's a good point. Moving on, how about the next pick, the tight end, Josiah DeGuara, Cincinnati. So another thing I think, and I, I tweeted about this a little bit too, all 32 teams have their own board, obviously, right? And all 32 teams value different things. Mm-hmm. Um, so like someone like DeGuara is, and they talked about this in the press conference, well, they're going to use him like Kyle Juszczyk. And to the average person, Wow, the Packers took a fullback in the third round. LOL. First of all, he's gonna he's gonna do a lot of stuff. He's a move tight end. Um, he's gonna be the the second tight end a lot. He can play as a fullback. He can play as a wing. When they do like in like zone read leak stuff to the flats, he can do that. And the other thing to consider: where did Matt Lafleur come from? Right, the Kyle Shanahan tree. Mm-hmm. Who has the highest paid fullback in the NFL? Kyle Shanahan. Who uses the fullback position differently than any other team in the NFL? Kyle Shanahan. So that's something to keep in mind that like, the Packer fans can be mad. Like, how could they have that guy, the top guy on their board? He would have been available in the sixth round. The Patriots drafted <laughs> like the exact same player like seven picks later. And Dalton Keene from Virginia Tech. So, like, it, it's very clear, like, yeah, well, he would have been there except, like, the same guy got picked eight players. Like, so it's because it wasn't someone that was, like, Packer fans had heard of. And he's not a very, like, sexy pick. But I can tell you that he's going to have a lot of value to this offense. Now, whether or not you agree with his draft slot or whether or not you think that was the right thing to do, that's up to you. Well, what's but your takeaway? You, like, oh, and sorry to interrupt. What's your takeaway that? Because they say projected sixth-round pick. Well, he went in the third, and cheeseheads are losing their minds over it because you know, maybe they read about this guy a couple weeks ago and said, oh, he's a sixth-rounder. Brian Gutekunst right. put it, took him in the third. Right, and that's where, and we don't know where the other 31 NFL teams had him, but just because the media has someone listed somewhere doesn't mean that's where teams think he should go. The media thought Donovan Peoples-Jones was a second to third round pick, and he went in the sixth round. So, like, it's, a, it's all subjective. It's very, I mean, and that's what I'm saying. All 32 teams have their own values. They have what they, like, specific things they're looking for in players. And a team that doesn't carry a fullback might not have even had DeGuara on their board because they might only yeah. want tight ends that are 6'5 or 6'6 six, six or whatever. DeGuar is a guy that, to the Packers, will be much more valuable than to those other teams. So the uh, – and, and, I mean, to fans, obviously, they're not privy to NFL information like we're not. So when they say, well, yeah, he was a sixth-round pick to the NFL analysts that don't work for teams, right? <laughs> like every team values everyone differently. Yeah, Owen Reese joining us right now. You can catch his work at Bucky's Fifth Quarter, Packer Report for 24-7 Network, also UW graduate – uh, or UW Whitewater graduate assistant offensive line coach. Oh, and moving on, uh, before I get to your bread and butter, the line, the beef, what about that linebacker out of Minnesota in the fifth round, Kamal Martin? So he's the guy, he's a big dude. So that was another thing the Packers wanted a, a, a linebacker early, right? Um, but I've kind of voiced my frustration on this. We don't know what the Packers want to do on defense because they played more dime defense in the NFL than any team in the, in the league last year. 
which is six defensive backs and one linebacker. So if they played that, is it because they didn't want to play two linebackers or because they didn't have two guys they wanted to play? So I think that someone like Kamal Martin in the fifth round, you're not drafting him to like start, right? He's going to be a special team guy. Um, he is decent in coverage. He's like 245 pounds. Uh, he's a guy that was supposed to go to the senior bowl, pulled out due to injury. Uh, but he's a guy he tested fairly well. And he's a guy that will, and the Packers have shown, like they drafted Ty Summers last year. They like depth linebackers for special teams. Um, and he's the guy that could work his way into a, I mean, if he could work his way into being a starting role for whatever that is in the Packers three, four, uh, like I said, they don't have two linebackers yeah. on the field a ton, but like he's, I think that was a decent pick. Um, I think it was not probably, like I said, not the sexy picks. I think the Packer fans have been waiting two rounds to see a wide receiver, <laughs> but he, he's a guy, he's going to make this roster and he's better than the other guys they've got at the position. Right, so oh, and now I want to get your take on this because hell, I mean, you helped coach it at UW Whitewater. You're, you did it in your playing days. What was it? Carroll College, correct? Carroll University, go Pios. Hell yeah, dude. The beef up front, sixth round, offensive lineman John Runyon, center Jake Hansen, and uh, offensive guard Simon Stepanik. If I said his name right, I apologize if I didn't. What do you think of these three? So Runyon made a lot of sense. He's a guy, he tested really well. Uh, his dad was obviously a longtime NFL offensive lineman um, and was very well respected. I think multiple times voted the dirtiest player in the league. And he's a guy that he played tackle at Michigan out of necessity, but is more so a guard or center in the NFL. And he's athletic enough. He fits what the Packers want to do with their zone scheme. So that made sense. What kind of surprised me was the next two picks because the Packers have drafted, since Ted Thompson took over in 2005, the Packers had drafted two offensive linemen that had not played any offensive tackle in college. I mean, it's very clear that they value the athleticism at tackle. Um, and they would take guys that played tackle and move them elsewhere. Uh, J.C. Treader uh, comes to mind, T.J. Lang, Josh Sitton. Uh, so, I mean, like, they hadn't drafted interior offensive linemen. They drafted Elton Jenkins last year, but he played tackle his freshman year. So, for them to take Jake Hansen and Simon Stepaniak, I'm curious to see if this is a, a sign in a uh, shift in philosophy or if this is just something where they were – higher on their board than the other offensive linemen, and they felt as though that, you know, despite the position difference, they were too good to pass up. Um, to me, like I said, Sapaniak's a big, strong dude. Hansen was a part of a really good offensive line at Oregon. I haven't watched a ton of Jake Hansen, uh, but Runyon was the guy I expected. Uh, I had tweeted about him a couple times that he should be a target for the Packers, and uh, he's the guy that I think will be a starting guard for the Packers within a couple of years. Um, if they if like if they don't sign uh, don't re-sign Corey Lindsley, bump Elton Jenkins to center, and then John Runyon Jr. is probably your left guard. Owen Reese joining us right now. Now Owen, uh, change of philosophy definitely happening in Green Bay. I chuckled at your tweet. I loved it. It said, "Look, buddy, we're gonna pound the rock here in Green Bay. The haters are furious. Is this something we're gonna see implemented? I mean, very quickly. Is this are these win now moves for the Packers to implement this new style of offense? So. To address the win-now thing, I think that from what I've kind of talked to a couple of people about this, I think what the Packers are doing is they're trying to create a sustainably successful, consistent organization. They want to, at all costs, avoid going quote-unquote all-in on a year or two because then they have to rebuild, and it's a hell of a lot harder to rebuild as a small market team when it's tougher to attract free agents. Right. If a free agent has the opportunity, yeah, well, the Packers or the Raiders are both targeting me. And do I want to live in Las Vegas or do I want to live in Green Bay? Like those are two different things. (laughs) 
so do I think, I think in year two of Matt LaFleur, I think we're going to get closer to what he truthfully wants to do, right? Like you can come in and you can change the scheme and you can do that, but to an extent, you're somewhat of a prisoner to the people that are there. And so I think as we move forward, we'll see a better picture of how Brian Gutekunst wants to build this team and how Matt LaFleur wants um, his personnel put out here. So I don't think like the Packers are going to be, you know, like a run first football team. Like I don't think they're going to be some like the Baltimore Ravens or anything, but I do think that in this scheme and we saw it in the NFC championship game and you've seen it everywhere. Shanahan's been, and you saw it with McVay uh, with the Rams two years ago when they had Todd Gurley cooking, this offense is all set up by the run, right? So they are still going to throw the ball a lot, but everything in this offense is multiple based off of everything looking the same and running the ball and having everything based off of that run action. So to me, I think they want to get further into the running game rabbit hole. Uh, they still have Aaron Rodgers. They obviously just spent the first round pick on a quarterback, which again is a way for a small market team to potentially find their next quarterback without having to entice them in free agency or waiting until the, the Rodgers is gone to sign one or to draft one. But it's a, something that I think that everything they want to base everything off the run game and which will take more pressure off of Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't need to be a freak show every week. And I think that in the event that Jordan Love doesn't work out and that Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, it's a lot easier to win football games if your offense doesn't have to drastically change when your quarterback's gone. And I think that having a more heavy run approach will help ease that. I love it, man. All right, Owen Reese joining us real quick. Owen, before I let you go, your takeaway, or I should say, what is your grade if you want to give one on the Packers draft class of 2020? I think anywhere from like a B minus to a C. I mean, like obviously you're I'll, I'll give you a C plus. And, sure, you're, you're giving a, <laughs> you're taking a quarterback in the first round that isn't going to play right away, right? So that's a, a part of it. AJ Dillon will get rotational snaps. He'll play. Jaguar will play a lot. Um, Kamal Martin will play a good amount. But like, I think really, like truthfully, this draft class will know in four years if Jordan Love yeah. is a starting quarterback and doesn't suck. This is a B plus or an A because you found your next quarterback. You're a small market and you might've found your third quarterback in 30 years, right? Like that's pretty incredible. But if he, I mean, if he flops or if Aaron Rodgers just wants to be really petty and decides he wants to play for five years now, rather than the, I don't want to play until I'm 40 years old that he gave a year or two ago. um, You know, obviously they just spent a premium asset on a guy that might not play. So the Packers can get out of Rodgers contract reasonably after 2021 uh we'll see how that goes but to me this class is all going to hinge on jordan love and we won't know about that for a few years but if they do hit on jordan love it's a home run swing and you like i said you found your third long-term starting quarterback in 30 years all right owen i know he's listening do you want to say any words of encouragement or advice for jay cutler as now him and kristen cavallari are getting a divorce Dog, Jay, if you need someone to talk to, I'm here. Kristen, if you need someone to talk to, I'm also here. (laughs) Thanks, Owen. I appreciate it, man. If anyone wants to follow along with your work, how can they do so? You can follow me on Twitter, at Reese Draft. It's R-I-E-S-E Draft. Also, I'll have a pretty quick out here in the next uh, episode of the Voice of Reason podcast where I'll talk about the Packers draft class as well as undrafted free agents uh, and kind of what we learned here moving forward. Owen, I love it. Thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. The knowledge. There he is, Owen Reese. Follow him on Twitter at Reese Draft. Thanks to Owen Reese for joining us. Fountain of knowledge right there. He, I'm trying to be something today that Owen is also trying to be, and that is this right here. I'm full of hope. I'm, I'm the captain of hope. So, yeah. Hopeful. 
the captain of hope. Trying to find some positivities in this draft, but before we talk positives, gotta talk a little negatives. Let me make this perfectly clear. I never hate the player. I never hate the person. I never hate the individual. Sometimes I just don't like the draft pick. I'll hate the pick, not the player. That makes sense right now? 100%. 100%. No ill will. I want them to succeed. But sometimes you can see the writing on the wall. Can you see the writing on the wall here? In the fifth round, with the 175th pick, the Green Bay Packers, they select linebacker Kamal Martin out of Minnesota. This is the one right here that I just kind of, oh, I don't know about this one. Nelly, I know you feel the same way. Before we dive into that, 608-321-1670, welcome into the Joan Ebo Show. Who do I got? Hey, it's me. I thought, I thought we were on the air before, but we weren't. Oh, that's okay, Scott. Scott, let me yeah. toss you on hold real quick, okay, buddy? I'll get you in a little bit. Okay. All right, Rowdy. There you go. Rowdy. Kamal Martin. 6'3", 240 pounds, linebacker out of Minnesota. <sighs> Did he even participate in the combine? No. Because he's hurt. He sat out with a knee injury. He's hurt. That's the biggest reason why I do not like this pick. Come he also on. missed games his senior year or his last year with a knee injury. Yeah, with the Golden Gophers. I, I'm trying to even remember back about him. His draft projection was a priority free agent. This is my least favorite pick that the Packers took all weekend. So same. And, and the reasoning behind it is they didn't necessarily go out and get an impact player, obviously, at the inside linebacker position. They signed Christian Kirksey, and we've talked about it before. The Packers last year, they played a lot of nickel and dime, so you have one linebacker on the field, Yeah, which would be Kirksey if he stays healthy, right? He's the guy that can run sideline to sideline. He's the guy that can cover, so he's going to be your main linebacker on the field. Well, what do you have behind him? You have Ty Summers, mm-hmm. who if you look at his draft profile, is a fairly good athlete, but he basically sat on the bench this year, was a special teamer, and had to better develop in coverages. And I think a lot of people forget that Curtis Bolton was on this roster last year and was potentially going to get some good run and playing time. He was an undrafted free agent linebacker out of Oklahoma, and the reason why he dropped was he really doesn't have the size. He's an undersized guy, but he's extremely quick. And if you look at what he did a couple of years ago when he was next to Kenneth Murray, the you know the big first-round pick yes. out of Oklahoma, they put up almost identical numbers a couple of years ago at Oklahoma. Now, he's going to be coming back from ACL this year because he tore it, I believe it was like a week before the season started. Mm-hmm. So in my opinion, you have Christian Kirksey, who's obviously the better player. You signed him, you gave him bigger money. He's the one with a ton of upside. And that's the guy that you went out and got. When healthy, he's a beast. You have Ty Summers, who's also, in my opinion, the same as Kamal Martin, but more athletic. And he's got one year of experience. Uh And then you have Curtis Bolton coming off an ACL, which he was going to play in front of Ty Summers. And and he put up almost the exact same stats as Kenneth Murray did a couple seasons ago as an undersized linebacker that can cover someone. I don't see how Martin gets ahead of any of those three guys on the roster. What was the knock on Blake Martinez? He's slow. He can't move side to side. What's the knock on Kamal Martin besides being injured? The exact same things. The exact same He can't, he can't move in space. He can't things. run sideline to sideline. He His coverage skills are... Kamal Martin, 
right here. I'll give you a little breakdown with him. Uh, plays upright, a little stiff in his scrapes, and doesn't find his run fits as efficiently as he needs to. He can gather and wrap as a tackler, but will struggle to finish elusive backs in the open field, and he's unimpressive as a passing down participant. Lacks early play recognition and elusive flow to the ball. I, I truly do think he's a special teamer at best. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he didn't make the team. Well, he's injured. That's the other thing. Didn't participate at the combine. His weaknesses, slow to diagnose and flow, allowing blockers to climb up to him. Doesn't play with enough knee bend. Content from second level with sparse downhill production. Lateral movement and change of direction is a little tight. Lacks feel for blocking schemes in optimal entry point. His strengths, though, um, <laughs> good upper body turn to slip blocks. Triggers for adequate closeout burst to tackle. Late punch and slide to playoff blocks. I just there's not much for. He is everything that Blake. Everything that we didn't like in Blake Martinez is kind of what Kamal Martin is, right? Isn't yeah, but that... I mean to compare. Kamal Martin to Blake Martinez is very disrespectful to Blake Martinez. True. <laughs> we'll continue to talk about it, but first, thanks for waiting, Scotty. Just had to get that conversation out there. Yeah, sorry about we that. We wanted I, to I, drop I, some knowledge on you as you waited on hold, brother. Right. Um, I thought we were in the air before. Sorry about that. Scott, no apologies, brother. Never apologize. Uh, okay. My, um, I mentioned the evil up uh, uh, there is that I maybe this uh, love guy is a trade up. Jordan Love? For, yeah. Ain't, ain't for, happening, Scotty. Sorry, buddy. Well, no, I'm just, maybe, I'm just trying to put a little logic to getting the quarterback at this time and thinking maybe how many times have they gotten rid of backup quarterbacks? You know I mean? That were good. Not many once their starting quarterback got 35 plus. <laughs> Right, right. No, no, I mean... Well, Scott, you're I'm, just trying I'm, to be optimistic. I get it. Yeah, yeah I, I'm trying to put a little... A little pep in our step. Uh, no, a little stench yeah. to it. And the only thing I can think of is maybe it's a trade-up. No, I don't I don't think so, Scotty, but, I mean, more will be revealed. I guess stranger things have happened, right? Yeah. Hey, uh, if you hear about that fishing thing about opening the parks, let me know. And I saw something online. Someone cut a 143-pound catfish. Judas. That's Where'd they catch that out of the Wisconsin River? Um, little, cha- little big no, old cat? I, no, I think it was up north, like like up, up around Shano, something like that. Sure. But that's it's online. But Scott, you can, tune, you can tune a piano, but you can't tune a fish. That's Ario Speedwagon. Well done, buddy. You have a good day. All right. Uh, take care, man. See you, man. Scotty, right. bringing it. Team, bring it. Of course. Kamal Martin, linebacker. Injured. Fifth round. Packers glaring issues. Were they even addressed? Not really. Not the not the they attempted to though with at least with the offensive line. Yeah. Let's talk about the beef. Where's the beef? Well, it's in the sixth round of the Packers draft. All linemen. John Runyon. Your take on Runyon. Probably my favorite pick. And that's especially, a six-rounder pick, 192. value-wise for the Packers, right? Yep. He's a guy that he'll at least bring some value because he should add depth to the Packers' offensive line. Maybe in a year or two he could step up and actually step into a starting role. But at the very least, he gives you depth at the offensive line. He's a guy that will most likely profile to play guard, but he could also be versatile and be a swing tackle. And you said if he starts? 
Like when you th- when you project him starting. No, I'm just saying like hopefully down the road maybe he could turn into a a starting. Yeah. So that's your favorite pick of the draft. For value sake, yes. Is John Runyon. All right, let's go also out of the sixth round, more beef center Jake Hansen. I mean, from all accounts that I've read on all the different evaluations, guy was an extremely good college player, but just more of a grinder, right? Like he's going to work super hard. He's going to have that motor where he's never going to stop. But according to most evaluations, he falls a bit short with athleticism, which means you're hoping he, if he makes a team, he can add depth. And that's for center. The center. So I'm, I'm I'm pulling up his draft profile here, and his knock is that is athleticism, like you said. Yeah, I think he ran like a five five forty, which I mean that doesn't mean a ton, but it shows that when some guys in the class are running four sevens and you're running a five. No, he's six. Jake Hansen, the center out of Oregon, he's six four, three hundred and three pounds. Would you expect a guy that's over three bills to be quote unquote athletic? Yeah, but you have to think about the different <laughs> tiers. <laughs> yeah, because they're grading out his position. Well, who was that freak of nature that was like 6'4", 300, and who was that guy that, uh, man, he went early in the draft and you wanted him? I think we all wanted him. I don't His dad was huge, too. Oh, Vector. How big was that guy? It's like 6'7", like 370-ish. The, and he looked like he was, if you were to look at him, like a picture of him without anyone standing around him, you'd think he was, what, a big linebacker? But not, well, if you just had a picture of him, like he doesn't look like a big fat guy, is what I'm trying to say. Beckton's dad looked like you could the Packers could sign him. He this this dude tackle. looks like he's like some yoked. He looks like like Lance Briggs or something out oh, there. Oh, I don't think we're talking about the same person. No, I think we no we are. But if then you put him next to a like someone else who is not a lineman, you would see that this guy is like a mountain of a man. All right, so back to I want to go back to John Runyon real quick before we get to the third pick of, or the third pick of the sixth round of the lineman. John Runyon, guard out of Michigan. Um, this guy, here's his, here's his weaknesses needs to play better with, or needs to play with better suddenness in his hands, lands way too high in the frame of down blocks, hand, high hands, diminished leverage and natural strength below average as drive blocker, lateral sides feature slightly heavier feet, wind up needs to be eliminated. From, it sounds like just a bunch of coaching stuff when your hands are up too high. This sounds like coaching stuff, strength. His father was a pro bowl tackle. Very smart and observant pre and post snap. Isn't that what you want in a line is a very smart line? You can work on the hands. But if you want a smart line, right, Rowdy? Well, especially later in the draft, you want to target guys that have quote-unquote NFL traits, right? Mm-hmm. The strength, the speed, the athletic ability, you know, except you can go on down the line. It's easier, it's easier to take a guy and coach the technique and iron technique out than it is to take a guy that's not very athletic and try and make him athletic. Yeah. Right? The Packers earlier rounds, I do like the running back, but some of them, what's the knock? They're not that athletic. Like the linebacker from Minnesota, Kamal Martin. Plus there's a couple of message, messages on Twitch. here. It's like, you guys are talking about Kamal Martin. Does it even really matter? <laughs> Does it matter? Is he going to make the team? What's your hot take on Kamal Martin? That he's not even probably going to make I, the yeah, team? Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he make doesn't make the team. He wasn't Kamal Martin, a projected undrafted free agent. They got him in the fifth round. At least in this one, they didn't. So where did you have John Runyon going for your big board, Rowdy? Uh, most most people were saying like fifth to sixth. So this wasn't a reach. This no, was right this where is... he was projected. Is this the only one? Is the sixth round where the Packers didn't reach? 
It I was think all you could where ar- they were supposed argue to be. farther down the list. You could get to Garvin at, in the seventh. But round. you're in the sixth and seventh. I mean, does it at the end of the day? How many do you think are gonna, you know, be there in a couple of years? So overview for Runyon: determined and smart. Runyon held his own as a Big Ten tackle despite a lack of desired physical and athletic traits. His, he's inconsistent taking control into initial engagement, but stays after it and recovers back into the second phase off the block. He plays with high hands that diminish power and control, but that should improve as he slides inside to guard. He was adequate, or he has adequate athleticism and body control to fit into a variety of run schemes, but may not excel in any. Runyon's protection experience at tackle improves his draft value as a later round backup caliber guard. And then we go to who we were just talking about a little bit before. The center out of Oregon, Jake Hansen. Hansen, real quick on him. Uh, one of NFL's scouts radar on their scouts radar since his redshirt freshman season. The four-star recruit from California took over the starting center job for the Ducks in 2016, earning his first of four straight honorable mention. All Pac-12 nods after starting all 12 games. He started all 13 games as a sophomore, 12 of 13 in 2018 campaign, and he missed the first half of one contest because he drew a personal foul on a blindside targeting call in the second half of their previous game against UCLA. Hansen started 12 games at center in 2019, missing two games due to injury. Now, they just say he lacks desired density and natural girth in lower body. Man, how would you like that of a knock? What if a chick told you you, had na- you lacked girth in your lower body? Oof. Now, despite his technique, Will struggle to stalemate forceful two-gappers, needs help to create movement, point of attacks, snap-to-step snap quickness, just average... I mean, they're just talking that he's a little slower. Uh, strengths, durable for your starter, hard worker, plays with poise and confidence against bigger men, quick, upward strike, hits the bullseye with initial punch, yada, yada, yada. I mean, we'll see. He's a six-rounder. Pick, two, uh, pick 208. And then right after him, I'm still butchering this guy's name, so I apologize, Simon. Offensive guard Simon Stepaniak. I think that's what Owen said. Yeah, and, and the gist with that guy through all the evaluations from all the different scouts and talents is basically he's got the size and the strength that are NFL traits, but his technique is pretty raw, and he's coming off an ACL injury. So, <laughs> I mean, overall, my opinion is I like the John Runyon pick. I think that's one of their better picks, and I think if you're the Packers, you're probably hoping that Two out of those three offensive linemen that you draft in the sixth round stick on your roster. Yes. So I'm looking at Stepaniak. I don't know, I apologize if I'm butchering his name. Named the top offensive lineman in Ohio's Division Three as a junior and senior, but ended up crossing the border to play for the Hoosiers. If you remember from Indiana, started two of 12 games, played a right guard as a retro freshman, yada, yada, yada. Uh, all big 10 pick as a senior, starting 11 games, 10 at right guard, one at left guard. He missed the team's bowl game due to injury. And they say his overview, burly and strong with the ability to play the guard in gap scheme attack. Uh, he's productive on double teams and combo blocks. You know, I, he doesn't sound bad, but uh, then again, he's in the sixth round. And then let's finish it off, Rowdy. In the seventh round, a lot of people thought, man, are the Packers going to get a wide receiver in the seventh round? Are we finally going to see a wide receiver? Well, nope. Safety. 236 pick, Vernon Scott. See, this is probably... Now, I'm trying to find a draft profile on Vernon Scott. This is Scott. Next, neck and neck with the Kamal Martin draft pick for me. Rowdy, I type in draft profile, NFL.com, and then I'll type in oh. Vernon Scott. What 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 comes it up? Was, so, I was watching the NFL draft on Saturday with a friend. 
Both of us like to get in the NFL draft. He gets into it even more than I do. Nelson watched he, every single pick he, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'm not kidding. Every single pick, right? Yes. When when <laughs> my when my friend that I will even say gets into it more than me goes, I don't even know who that guy is. And we try and find him on some of the NFL.com. He doesn't have a filled out profile. He doesn't have a picture. He was the 61st ranked safety in the draft. Seventh round for your Green Bay Packers, the safety Vernon Scott. He does not even have a draft profile. So he was a. It's a silhouette picture of just like a, a you know a gray silhouette of a random individual, stock photo, with nothing. Texas Christian College. And he played six two two oh six. What was it? Roughly ten games as a senior, which was his first full year starting. Now, according to the evaluations, he's got a lot of size and speed. But here's the thing: aren't the Packers kind of set in the secondary for the most part? Yep. Like. They have guys like Adrian Amos, who they just signed. They just drafted Darnell Savage. I mean, they had, uh, what, Sullivan played pretty well for him. Will Blackman played on the back end. Raven Green will be coming back from injury. I just I don't know where the guy would play. I know where he'll he play. He would be literally rounding out the special teams at best. I know where he'll play. The practice squad. Maybe. He's <laughs> another guy that I, like, I would actually not be surprised if he didn't even make the roster. So they have right here, I, I found one grade, and it just says, no grade, needs time in developmental league. So he needs time in an XFL-type league. Last time I checked, the XFL just folded. The AAF ain't around anymore. Let's try and get him <laughs> sized up in the, uh, in the practice Well, one. we did say that there were a lot of Packers hanging out in the XFL and the AAFs the last uh... Yep calendar year when those leagues tried to play and then we have finally rounding up the draft as we finish up here seventh round pick 242 defensive end jonathan garvin out of the u miami this might be for value wise my second favorite pick behind john runyon because it's a seventh round pick and if you look at the guys look at the guy's draft combine and his uh, profile he's got a lot of ability like his numbers are essentially like what Zadarius Smith put up in his combine. Yeah. Now, what's his knock? What's his biggest knock from pretty much every evaluator that has looked at this guy? It's his motor. The guy doesn't have a high motor. The guy's effort is only there half the time. So what you're telling me is you basically have a guy that has the ability or the combine numbers of a Zadarius Smith. So he's a pretty good edge rusher physically. Good first step, powerful, but he just doesn't like to play every play. Sounds like he got the the mix of a love child between Zadarius Smith and Rashawn Gary. <laughs> and you I'll hope take the Zadarius Smith side. And you hope that you have a coach like Mike Pettin that can take that and get it and get him to be a player that wants to play every single play and knock tape plays off. If you can get that guy out of him, you're going to have a solid pick. If not, He's going to be another guy that's on the roster for a year or two, and he's gone. So so it's like a perfect seventh-round like, flyer. So if he's like Zadarius Smith and Rashawn Gary, we're going to get the Zadarius Smith on the field that we love, and then we'll get the Rashawn Gary on Twitter for um, Jonathan Garvin. Well, he'll just be cranking out a ton of push-ups <laughs> and trying to read, right? Is that, yeah. I, I'm hoping we get the Zadarius Smith on the field like, and the Rashawn Gary on the Twitter. If you look at his, his pure athletic ability, he basically has the same body as a – Zadarius Smith, but then when you look at the negatives, it was a lot of the same negatives that were on the Rashawn Gary. So 
out of this whole draft class, who is your favorite pick? Favorite pick as of who's going to help the Packers in the next three to four years? It'd probably be DeGuara because I think he'll be the, 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 the guy tight end, that, the H-back yeah, the, out he'll of be, Cincinnati. He'll be on the field the most. I mean, I think Dylan will have value. He's obviously going to probably be the backup running back behind Aaron Jones. Who knows what they do with running back in the next year. So he's going to be on the field and play. Runyon will probably make the roster. I think Garvin's got some upside, especially if they can uh, – uh, unlock the beast in him and not have him take off plays. And then the big wild card is is Jordan Love. I mean, this draft could potentially be an A in five years if Jordan Love is a top 10 quarterback. But if if Jordan Love is a bust, this draft goes way down because he gave up value to go get him and trade away a fourth-round pick. Okay, you said your favorite pick of like three to four years from now. Who's your favorite, four, who's your favorite pick to um, right now? Win now with the Packers. Who's your favorite pick that could help them win now? Man, it's probably DeGuara. Just because he's I like a guy. AJ, I like the running back. I think it's the I second, I think I the second round was too high, but I do like the running I back. I don't AJ think Dylan. Dylan plays enough because it, you still currently do have Aaron Jones and you still have Jamal Williams. Yeah. And I think DeGuara is the guy that'll have the best shot of actually getting in the game to play because, I mean, by all accounts, their tight ends are Jay Sternberger who's everyone's hoping for a big breakout yep, season. Big Sternberger fan. Tanyan, which this is probably the last year Tanyan has to prove it. Yep. And then a 40-year-old Mercedes Lewis, I was who's going to, at the end of his career. So I think yeah. DeGuara gets hey, a Hey, Mercedes Lewis can throw a mean block. Welcome back in. I can't believe it, folks. It's been, gosh, I think months. it was since uh, the beginning of February. The beginning of February is the last time We've really honestly referenced Mount Notice or talked about Mount Notice. This is Nelson's, you know, everyone's got their Mount Rushmore's. Give me your Mount Rushmore uh, of football movies. Give me your Mount Rushmore of Packers all time. Give me your Mount Rushmore of fast food chains. No, 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 no. We got that, but it's flipped. It's reversed. Nelly has the Mount Notice. The top four people of who... I'm kind of skirting, towing the line a little bit. Need to be put in check. What's the deal with Mount Notice, Nelson? Mount Notice, it's not that you want them to be fired or cut or, you know, insert punishment here. Mount Notice is essentially, hey, I want you to do well. The eyes are on you. It's time to step up. It's like a reality check, right? It's like, hey, it's time to step up. And if this continues? Then ship out. (laughs) Right? You're going to be removed or you should be removed. Mount Notice is like a wake-up call. So, rumor has it, a little birdie told me that over the weekend, well, specifically on Sunday, you got out your hammer, you got out your chisel, and you climbed up Mount Notice, and you redone it. Oh, we did a lot of resurfacing. Now, who was initially on Mount Notice before the resurfacing yesterday? Oh, so this goes back to February, because I believe it was, I had to take Greg Gard off. Because yes, because they... Greg Gard ended up, if we forget, Greg Gard was coach of the year in the Big Ten and then also won the Big Ten. So, <laughs> if memory serves me correctly, who was on it prior was Rashawn Gary, mm-hmm. Mike Pettin, mm-hmm. Bledsoe. Eric Bledsoe for the Milwaukee Bucks. And Tony Granato. And Tony Granato, <laughs> UW hockey head coach. <laughs> All right, so you have resurfaced. You took your chisel, you took your hammer out, you climbed up the mountain, and you resurfaced chiseled it, right? Oh, and it did not take long. 
ladies and gentlemen, the new Mount Notice. So starting from uh, left to right here, Rashawn Gary. And by, <laughs> by the way, left to right means if you're on the left, you've been on it the longest. Okay. Or you're most deserving. Okay. So Rashawn so, Gary. Rashawn Gary, you are far left. So number one. Right behind him. Oh, hang on, hang on. I didn't sorry, I didn't I didn't realize. Rashawn Gary, then behind him. Mark Murphy. The president and CEO of your Green Bay Packers, Mark, Mark Murphy. Mark Murphy. I've seen some tweets. And we'll talk about it tomorrow. That Mark don't necessarily Murphy. paint him in the best light, if true. Mark Murphy has been my public enemy number one for a few years now. For a now. while. I've been, I've been screaming from the mountaintops. I've been screaming into the abyss about my disdain for Mark Murphy. All right, that's, that's number two on the list. Number three. Your Packers head coach, Matt LaFleur. Whoa. Mr. Team Handsome himself, all haircut, Matt LaFleur. Because this was supposed to be a lot of his guys in this draft, right? Mm -hmm. That would fit his scheme and his style of play. Plus, what did I try and tell you all last season about how bad these offenses actually are pre and post Matt LaFleur? I do believe you called him LaFraud. Yes, and I sent out a tweet the other day that like summed up how good teams' offenses were before and after Matt LaFleur. All right, so which LaFleur, they don't paint him in a very good light either. LaFleur, so let's recap before we unveil the final new chiseling, resurfacing, if you will, of Mount Notice. Rashawn Gary, Mark Murphy, Mark Murphy, Matt, Matt LaFleur, and finally. Your Green Bay Packers general manager, Brian Gutekunst. Brian Gutekunst, Goody Mob. Wow. Nelson, now this resurfacing amount notice all happened yesterday after the draft. And I noticed it quick work. It's all Packers. All, it's Packers edition. It's updated. Oh. Not much else can go on Mount Notice because it's the only sport that's relative. Unbelievable. Bri Brian Gutekunst, you're on here because everyone's looking at you. If this doesn't pay off and that last place draft class doesn't make you look like a genius... You can continue to be a laughing stock. Okay, so you can work your way off of Mount Notice. How can these individuals work their way off Mount Notice? I think Rashawn Gary's best. So you just got to play and play well. Would be to play well or get off of the Packers. All right, Mark Murphy. He might be remove himself from his position. I would be okay with that. Um, Matt Lafleur. Matt Lafleur, have your offense actually produce as a high level offense. And how does Brian Gutekunst work himself off? These players have to pan out. So that's a long like, term. That's a long yeah, term thing for Goody. Goody is like eh, three, four years. Man, you know me and my stance on Mark Murphy. I salute you for putting Mark Murphy on there. That man's public enemy we'll, number one. We'll talk me. about it tomorrow. But those tweets that I sent you about Mark Murphy, I got to do some extreme vetting on those tweets because it does come from Chicago. But it is, it makes sense. I need to vet them before we talk about it. We'll talk about it tomorrow. 